And I couldn't help but notice that he was a man that, while on the platform, seemed to have great confidence. And he seemed to have a unique ability to connect with people. It wasn't just me that, that heard him speak, that thought at times I was the only one in the room. He, he seemed to have the ability to, to connect with many people in that way. One day we were talking and, and I asked him, I said, can you help me to better understand how your messages seem to connect so well with so many? He told me, he said, Steve, I know that I don't know everything, but when I study for a message and I'm convinced that it's the truth of God's word, he said, I know that what I'm saying is true and I can say it with great confidence. And, and that was great counsel. This was a man that had confidence in his delivery because he had confidence in his content. He believed in what he was saying. Over the years, I've sought to implement that counsel in my own life and and I study and I pray, and by the time I'm able to share what I've learned, I'm always excited. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm, ex I'm nervous every Sunday before I speak, but there is this sense of anticipation, of excitement, of, of wondering what it is that God's going to do with the message that I bring. And I hope no one will take this wrong, and believe me, I don't mean this in an arrogant way, but I have every expectation every time I preach that God's going to use what I say to help somebody. I really approached this sacred desk thinking, God, maybe today this message will be that thing that keeps somebody going when they think they can't go on or, or lead somebody to come to know you who doesn't. And I promise you, I come each week expecting God to use what I share to help somebody. That's a belief that I bring to the pulpit. You share the truth. That's what you're supposed to do as a pastor. And so when I come to this pulpit to, to teach the word of God, although nervous, I'm wrapped in, in flesh and I'm prone to all of that, there's an overriding sense of what I'm saying today is true because these aren't my thoughts or ideas, I'm teaching the word of God. And so I can have great confidence in that sense. But every day in my life is not Sunday. As certain as I am when I come to the platform and say, would you join me in taking your Bibles, please, and turning to the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel chapter 30, as, as confident as I can be in that moment, every day of my life is not a day that I live with that kind of confidence necessarily. And, and I know there are times when, when I encounter things in my life and I'm just not sure exactly what to do. And when the confidence in your decision-making is down, you become hesitant and Hesitant actions set us up for failure all the way around. I want to share a few more personal things today than I ordinarily would in, in a message. A few months ago, I received a phone call. said that my father was in the hospital. I began to hear a story of how he'd had a fall and he'd broken seven bones. And one of them was a bone in his neck. And in addition to that, he'd hit his head so hard that he had bleeding on the brain and and. Uh, there was just a lot of needs. In addition, my mom, many of you know, has Alzheimer's. My dad's her caregiver, and now he, he can't do the job. And, and at this moment, I have two brothers. They were both out of the country. I have a sister who's a principal of a large uh, school outside of Denver, and she was gearing up for a new school year, and, and uh, I, I, was, I was the only one that could go. So I made a trip that night that I'd make a lot of times in the few weeks that followed, and and uh, I drove to Eisenhower Medical Center in Palm Desert, and, and as I arrived, my dad was uh, mostly just, just quiet, and, 
And when he would speak, it, it was nonsensical. It, it didn't make any sense at all. There was so much pressure on his brain. Uh, in that moment, I had decisions I had to make for my father. I had to make sure that my mom was cared for. In time, there were things like their bills that were piling up on dad's desk, and I really didn't have uh, an idea of, of how to get those bills paid. And, and uh, you know, in a moment like that, you feel profoundly lonely. And you are aware quickly that you're in over your head and you don't know what to do. And, and again, it's, it's lonely. You feel like, you know, maybe I'm the only person that, that feels like this in, in all of the world. But I did what you would have done. I'm sure I did what you would have done. I did my best. I just tried to jump in and, and try to make sense of things and, and pull the loose ends together. I did my best. And if your family's like mine, you have siblings who would have shared with you, as mine did with mine, that I didn't do everything right in those moments, okay? Thank God for siblings, right? Thankfully, dad's recovering and, and mom is settled and the families come together. And, and yet in that time, I was struck with the reality that life often presents us with moments where we just don't know what to do. But something has to be done. I mean, we got to do something. Nothing's not an option. And we want to do the right thing. We just, we don't know what that is. And, and we, we kind of get stuck in the fog of it all, in the, in the grayness of it all. There's no manual for us. There's no memories from which we can draw on to maybe apply personal experience. It's, it's something we've never, ever gone through before. And that was a very humbling time. It was a very frightening time in many ways. I do want to say, by God's grace, I believe God taught me some things through that. And I believe I grew personally through that. I believe God helped our family during that time. And it was during that time that God really put the thought for this series. And this message came together in the course of that time. Because here I am encountering a time where something had to be done and I didn't know what to do. And I realized I'm not the only one that has times like that. All of life is not Sunday morning where there's such great confidence in what it is that needs to be done. There, there are a lot of other days where the fog rolls in. And of course, we are not the only people to go through that either. The Bible's filled with accountings of people who knew something needed to be done. They just didn't know what to do. And they wrestled with this question, what do you do when you don't know what to do? And in the Bible, we find examples of those who dealt with that question. And some came to the wrong conclusion. They're bad examples, but they're examples we can learn from nonetheless. There's power in every example, even a bad example, and we learn from them how not to do it. And there are other examples of people that did it right. In that moment when the fog, so to speak, rolled in, in the midst of their great time, clarity came and they were able to move forward in a great way. We find an occasion like that in the passage before us today. And if you're able to stand, I'd like to invite you to join me as we look to just one verse to get us started. And we're going to reference many verses today, but just one verse to get us started. 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 8. The Bible says, And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him. So this is God answering David. Pursue. For thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Let's pray. Our Father, we're thankful today that you're a God that knows how we're put together. You're not shocked by our shortcomings. You're, 
you're not blown away by our inadequacies or our inability to come to great conclusions at all times. Lord, we're thankful that as we sang today that you are stronger and that we can lift our eyes to you. And Lord, I believe with all of my heart that what we're going to learn today will be helpful to everyone in this room. But Lord, I know there's another group in this room. There's a group that needs this message as much as they've ever needed a message before. And I pray that this would be a help and a comfort. Use this time for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. At this time in David's life, he was not the king that we would come to know him to be. In fact, at this time, he was running for his life from a king by the name of Saul. Having never been in a situation of being on the run for your life, David made a series of decisions, and most of the decisions he made were very good, very sound, God-blessed decisions. But in the course of this time, he was living in exile. He moved with the few that were with him to a place called Ziklag. And while they were in Ziklag, an enemy came into their camp while the men were away, and, and they took the wives and the material possessions of David and his several hundred men that were there, and it was a time of loss. Considering that those men were also dealing with a loss, David really didn't have the ability to go to men that may have been there to support him. He just he couldn't go to them. They were, they were in the midst of their own time of loss. They too didn't know what to do, and, and so he couldn't go to them. And In fact, those men that, that maybe could have been a support, they could have been a blessing or an encouragement, they actually blamed David. Their mindset was this, David, we're here with you, and things have gone bad, so that means it's essentially your fault. And they turned on David, and so there was no resource for blessing from other places in his life. So here he is. He had lost everything. Those he considered his closest friends were not there for him. His homeland wouldn't welcome him. And he's so heartbroken over the loss of his family that the Bible tells us David literally cried until no more tears would come out. He's a broken man through and through. I wonder, what do you do in times like that? You know that something needs to be done, but you're just kind of existing in a gray fog. And time keeps marching on, and you're very aware that if you don't do the right thing quickly, life will be forever altered. Opportunities will be forever lost. And in those moments, David made a a big decision with some components in it that led to more good decisions, and he worked his way through the gray fog in his life, a crisis moment. And I want us to see today how he did that. If you have your notes nearby, the first element we're going to see today in our study is the fact that David recognized that he didn't know the way. He recognized that he didn't know the way. And I want to alleviate some of the pressure that maybe you're feeling because I remember the sense of pressure I felt in the moment I shared with you earlier that, that I should have all the answers, that I should always know what to do. And sometimes we go through life and we bear a burden that's really not ours to, uh, to, to bear. We, we think that we should know everything and when life reminds us that we don't, we, we get totally stressed out by that. You know, it is normal in life to have periods of time when you don't know what to do. God has no expectation that we will know exactly how to handle every situation that comes into our lives. But the dangers come when we think that we have to act, and without really knowing what to do, we make an impulsive, quick decision, an ill-informed decision, and we launch out on a plan that has not been well thought through. 
I was speaking with a friend not too long ago about some of the changes we've made to our service schedule, and he asked a variety of questions along the way, and, and then he asked me this question. Uh, he said, Steve, what are you going to do, and I know how this question ends, if it doesn't work. He didn't ask me that question. He said, what are you going to do if it works? And as he unpacked that question and as we talked, he was really trying to get me to look ahead, to think down the road, to not think in terms of a step, listen to this, but to think in terms of a direction. Steps are important in life because they take us places, but steps are important in life because they determine direction. And God is always more interested in the direction in which we're heading in life than He is in the speed in which we're traveling. And we've got to think of decisions in light of the fact that they're going to send us down a course in life and a direction in life. And David, he had so much to do. People were looking to him, and you can just imagine the pressure he was under, feeling all alone, nobody really cares, people only piling on. And, and David was wise enough to understand that you're never too busy to pray in fact i would say the busier we are the more we need to pray and david determined that he would pray and i love how david responded in this urgent moment he said this and the text tells us this he said bring me hither the ephod and abiathar brought thither the ephod to David, and David inquired at the Lord. Now the ephod was just a garment people would wear sometimes in the Old Testament to pray. So David was basically saying, hey, I need to pray. I need to talk to God. I need to talk to the Lord about this. He was saying, you know, before I do anything, before I make a single decision, when I don't know what to do, I need then to go to God in prayer. I want you to think with me, why would David have done that first? You see, this David would also be the one to write the words in Psalm 31 and verse 3, where he said of the Lord, Thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. David had an understanding that served him well in his life. He said, you know, I'm not the rock. I'm not the fortress. I'm not the leader, nor am I the one that gives guidance, but I have a God in my life who's all of those things for me. And when that's what I need, I need to be sure to go to him to glean what I'm lacking. David had learned that we don't do well in adversity by trying to get things done in our strength. He, he turned to God along the way. And what a relief it is to discover that we don't have to know it all. We just have to be reminded from time to time that we have a God who does. You know, David also wrote these words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You see, David considered himself a man with no needs because he had a shepherd who loved him and would direct him in the course of his life. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Well, David would say, you, you've got to recognize that you don't know the way. But there's a second thought we come to, and, and we're going to see now that David asked great questions and he listened very well. He asked great questions, and he listened well. So David goes to God in prayer, and he asked really more than one question in his prayer. He comes to God, and in his prayer he said this, Shall I pursue after this troop? And he's referring to this group that came in and, and took his, uh, the, the wives of David and his men and all their material possessions. He said, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? He was saying, God, what, what should I do? And, and are things going to turn out okay? Is it going to be all right? At the end of the day, God, is it going to be okay? And when we are in the gray areas of life, we do well to glean as much information as we possibly can. 
I remember one time in particular, I was sitting in a chair next to my dad's bed, and my mind was racing. And again, dad, most of the time, was sleeping or quiet, and from time to time, he'd talk about stuff that just, it, it didn't make any sense at all, you know, yeah, I got to get out of here to go to this place, and it's like, that place has had nothing to do with our family for 25, 30 years, and, and uh, I, I'm sitting there, and my mom's asking the same questions over and over and over, and you, you feel bad because you're starting to get impatient. You're like, I can't, you know, what am I doing? And, and it's just like frustration all the way around, and I don't know what to do. Doctors are asking me about my dad's medical history. <laughs> you know, my dad and I, we talk about the ball game and fishing, and I've, you know, he has a medical history? I didn't know that. You know, it's just news to me, and I, I had nothing to give him, you know, and I just felt like everyone's asking me stuff, and I don't have any answers at all. And, and, and everyone's looking at me, and you kind of feel like the total loser in that moment because you just, you just have no idea what to say or what to do. But through that, I met a lady that worked in the hospital, and I don't know this was her title. I'd imagine she was kind of a social worker type of a lady. And, and she walked in the room, and she had a great demeanor. And not everybody's blessed with a great demeanor. But she was, put to get, she was built by God for the job she was doing. She brought a calmness into the room with her when she entered. And it's hard to explain that, but I think you all know what I'm talking about. And, and she just sat down, and she was so kind and it wasn't this incredible sense of urgency where she was just, just shooting questions my way. She just talked with me. She told me things she thought I needed to know. And then she was kind enough to stop talking, to let me ask questions, to reveal there's a whole lot more I don't know than you're aware of, lady. Let me get these questions out there. And, and, and we had a great talk. And in that moment, she made all the difference in the world to me. You see, I'd prayed for help. And she was the answer to my prayer. There were things I needed to know. And I believe that in part God sent a lady along because she needed to help me understand some things I had yet to learn. I don't know what you do when you get under pressure. When I get under pressure, I withdraw. And you don't listen well when you withdraw. Others of you, and I've observed this, when you get under pressure, you start talking a lot. You just talk, 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 talk when you're under pressure. And you don't listen well when you're talking either. And so a lot of times our instinctive response when we're under pressure is to either withdraw or to start talking a lot. And when we're doing those two things, we're not learning what it is we need to know when we don't know what to do. We're all different. What we need in these times is the ability to learn and to listen. And as you do, you'll find that God will send people into your life who will help you. In fact, later in this accounting, we find that David needed some information. He followed God's will. He's, he's going after this group, and he needed to know where they were. And the Bible tells us in this accounting that, that David came across one of the enemy who was sick. They just left, and, and he was still there alone. And, and David walked up to this man, and he talked to him. And in 1 Samuel 30 and verse 15, the Bible says that David said to him, uh, Can you bring me down to this company? And he said, this man said to David, swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master. And I'll bring thee down to this company. He said, David, don't kill me and don't let them kill me. Other than that, I'm your guy. I'll help you. I'll tell you where to go. I'll tell you, David, what to do when you don't know what to do. I'll be that person. Now, it is true that God is always with us. The Bible teaches us this. The writer of Hebrews tells us that the Lord will never leave us or forsake us. But did you know that God in his grace often brings people into our lives to serve as the help that we need in the moment of our need? And what we need to do is be sensitive enough to seek them and to hear them. As our family was going through this ordeal, 
I was driving over. I'd, I'd work in the church all day, and, and in the evening, I'd, I'd drive over to Palm Desert, do my best to make sure things were being taken care of, and spend some time with my dad, and spend some time with my mom, and then I'd drive back very late, and again, hit it the next morning, and you've all been through things like this. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying we're all in this together. And uh, it was a period of time that was just taxing me, and of course, if that were the only pressure in my life, it would have been a lot, but your life is like mine as well. You get pressure from every other area. Life just squeezing in on you. And again, feeling still profoundly alone in this. And, and one day I was, I was in the office and, and uh, a call came through. And it was a man that our church has done some business with. He does insurance and so forth. And, and uh, we began to talk. And, and uh, I, I was tired. My mind was probably not as sharp as it needed to be. And, and, and as we were going through all this, he's sharing information. And the conversation goes on. And finally at some point he said, Steve, are you okay? I said, yeah, Tom, I'm sorry. I said, I, I'm doing fine. I said, I'm just a little bit tired. And, and he said, what's going on? He's a believer, a brother in Christ. And, and I said, well, I won't bore you with all the details. But I said, my mom and dad aren't doing well. And I'm, I'm having to travel over and spend evenings there and coming back. And I said, it's just, just kind of wearing me out. And, and uh, he said, well, is there anything I can do to help? I said, no, not really. I said, it's just one of those situations. I just, I'm not really sure how anybody could help. I said, right now, I'm just trying to figure out what to do with some of the bills that are stacking up, and, and I know they've got to be paid, and I'm just not really sure how to do that. And he said, Steve, I can help. He hung up the phone. A short time later, he called back with just the information I needed. You know, so often in life, we enter into the gray areas, and we never ask for help. People who would help, if they only knew that we had a need, may surround us, but we, we never ask. In fact, many of the people that I've met in my life, and perhaps some in this room, search your own heart. When we go through a difficult time, we actually get bitter on the inside at the lack of help we're receiving when the reality is nobody really knows what we're going through because we, we don't want to share. We don't want to speak up. And so we must personally go to the Lord in prayer and then... We have to understand that God will answer prayer and he'll speak to us. He speaks to us through his word. I found principles in the word of God that helped me in this time. God will speak to us through Bible teaching and preaching, but God will also speak to us through brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what the family of God is all about. God didn't tell us to come to church so that we can be here just for him. I know we do all we do for him, but he knows this is the right place for people of faith to come to learn the word of God, but it's where we can come to do life together. This is the place where we provoke one another to love and to good works. And so I have a role in your life just as you have in my life. David asked great questions and he listened very well. The final thought we're going to consider this morning. As all this is unfolding, David got to work and he didn't quit. He got to work and he didn't quit. Now I've got to tell you, had David just wandered off in this time, I would not have blamed him. I mean, everybody in his life basically was gone. The people he counted on weren't there to support him. In fact, they had turned on him. Had David just wandered off, I would not have blamed him. Had he walked away from his men and from God's calling on his life to be the next king, I would have certainly understood. I, I, I don't know that I would have hung over him in judgment. I, I probably would have said, man, that's tough. Not a great decision he made, but he's been through so much. And, and, and I would have understood he'd been through a lot. But you see, David understood something we all learned in PE and in, in elementary school. Quitters never win and winners never quit. And David had made a determination in his life. I want to make the most of my life. I'm not winning against other people, but I want to win in terms of being all that God would have me to be. And so he made a decision, I'm not going to quit. 
And he had a huge recovery mission ahead of him. Listen, God's not a genie that we go to and things are instantly made better. No, he puts us on a path of travel that can, that can lead to where it is we need to go. And David had a lot of work ahead of him. The odds were stacked against him. He really didn't have the detail as to how it would all go. But when God said to David, as we read earlier, pursue, David then went to work. The next words that follow say this. So David went. He and the 600 men that were with him and came to the brook Bezor where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued. He and 400 men for 200 abode behind which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Bezor. Did you notice not everyone made the trip with David? There were reasons, I understand that, but sometimes it's good for us to know that, you know, not everyone in our lives is going to make the journey with us in our time of need. We just need to be aware of that. Sometimes we're surprised by things that don't need to be shocking. And not everybody made the trip, but thankfully there were those that did. It was long, it was intense, and, and David just kept going. I read a story of William Pitt. As he was the prime minister of Great Britain, and he moved around. The story says painfully on, on crutches. I don't know all of his, of his physical issues, but, but in pain all of the time, requiring crutches at all times. And the story told that one day a man came in complaining of something the government was doing and the task he'd been given. And the man said to the prime minister, this task is impossible. And in response, Pitt picked up his crutches and he said, I walk on impossibilities. He was saying, in essence, you're throwing in the towel now. You're quitting now. You've had enough now. He said, I want you to know I overcome more difficulty in a day of my life than you're encountering in this one thing you need to go through. We all face times that appear impossible. We all face those times where we don't know what to do. But in Mark's gospel, we read in Mark 10, 27, Jesus looking upon them saith, with men, it's impossible. But not with God. For with God, all things are possible. As David spoke with God in the beginning of this gray matter, in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 8, God told David, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. That's what God said. I want you to pursue. You're going to overtake those guys. You're going to recover all. Without fail. The end of the story in 1 Samuel 30 and verse 18 says, And David recovered all he recovered all god's word is always true if every message i preach were this personal in nature i'd probably be a narcissist but going through this time really got me thinking when I was younger, I thought, you know, by the time I'm my age that I am now, I should have a degree of wisdom and the gray areas should be cleared up in my life. There should be no gray matters and, and I should surely know how to do everything that needs to be done. But you know what I've learned? I've learned that in the course of life, you're going to routinely encounter things that you've never encountered before. You're going to be asked questions you've never considered before. You're going to have needs you've, you've never even been aware of before. And I don't think it matters if you're 6 or 60 or, or, or 106. The fact is we're all going to have these times where something needs to be done and we don't know what to do. And it's overwhelming. 
But I've also come to understand that God doesn't always remove all the gray areas in our life. When that gray fog rolls in, sometimes what God does in response to these gray matters, He doesn't remove the gray fog, He just pushes it back about the space of what the next step in our life would look, look like. He doesn't answer every question for all time. He doesn't totally clear it up so that you have a straight shot. You see exactly where it is you're going to end up. He'll just push it back far enough for you by faith to say, God, I don't know what to do. And and God will push it back and say, we've got enough space now. Why don't you go ahead and take the next step? And as we take that step, again, we're thinking, well, now I don't know what to do. And God, again, will move it back. You see, God oftentimes will just remove the gray areas far enough back that we can just keep going. Of these trying times, Peter once wrote, in 1 Peter 1 and verse 7, he said that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Everybody wants a testimony in life, but you don't get a testimony without a test. We all want a great story. We all want to be the overcomer. But you don't ever become a champion or a victor in life if there's not battles through which you go. And these times where we just don't know what to do are the hardest times through which we go in life. But they're more precious than of gold. We get out of them what we don't get out of any other times in life. See, there's great value in coming to the end of yourself and doing what you do for the glory of God, and hear this, and doing what you do at the discretion of God. God, what's the right thing to do here? What would you have me to do? Lord, would you help me? And God reveals a verse. God has a small group leader make a statement in a class, maybe even on a rabbit trail, but it was a statement you needed to hear that that got you thinking and and brought you to the conclusion you needed. Maybe it's a a message on a Sunday where where a statement's made that that touches your heart or or a subject that's dealt with that, that is something that's been on your mind. God will help you along the way. We're to do what we do at the discretion, at the leadership of God. There's a legend, a story of a king who once placed a heavy stone in the middle of a roadway leading to his palace the story says he then hid in the bushes to see how people would respond to this obstacle the story went in great detail i won't go into all the detail but talked of all the different kinds of people that came by and they griped about the big rock in the road they blamed the government they were being underserved you know and they were just so upset about this obstacle so the story went on it told of a peasant That's what the story called him, a peasant that came along. And he saw the rock, and he looked at the rock, and kind of looked at people walking. And So he set the little bag he was carrying down, and he went over to the rock and put his shoulder into it. And with some effort, he pushed it off to the side of the road. To his surprise, underneath the rock, there was something else. A little hole had been dug out, and in the little hole was a bag that was filled with gold. The king wanted to teach an object lesson that he knew would spread around the kingdom. He wanted people to understand that there's a reward when you you do things of that nature. Let me tell you something. We're going to have times in our lives where we're going to have to put our shoulder to some difficult things. And I believe the testimony of Scripture, and I believe my experience in the course of my life, and maybe you can say the same thing, when we go through them as we should, we're going to find 
there's a treasure more valuable than gold. There's something you glean, there's something you gain, there's something you learn that brings you out the other end, a deeper person, a richer person in the sense of, of you're fuller. You learn things. I'm saying that were it not for those times when we didn't know what to do, we wouldn't gain in that beautiful way that adds depth and beauty and richness to our lives. We never do learn all the lessons that life has to offer, you know. There's always more coming. But I've learned that when we go through the gray matters of life with the humility, we acknowledge, we admit, you know, I really don't know what to do here. Something needs to be done. I understand that. I just, I don't know what needs to be done. When we have a, a heart of humility, and when we take time to ask great questions and listen really well, listening to the Lord... And when we do that and add to it a resolve to not quit, to not just get discouraged and weary and well-doing, but we make a determination to press on, I believe we'll always come through them better than we headed into them. And so today, I'm not sure what you're coming out of. I'm not sure what you're dealing with. I'm not sure what you're heading into. But all of us in life, need to know what to do when we don't know what to do. I think we find a great lesson for that in this passage. But all of this begins, of course, it's premised upon knowing that we have a relationship with God because nothing I said today makes any sense if we don't know that we have an abiding relationship with God. Would y'all be so kind as to bow your heads in a spirit of prayer? Our Father, we're thankful today that you are a God of great love. And Lord, as hard as it is at times, we want to thank you for those occasions when we don't know what to do. We want to thank you for those tests that can lead to a testimony. We want to thank you that you are a God who is stronger and a God to whom we can lift our eyes. And Lord, I pray that you would help the people in this room today. Lord, I know there are some just coming out of a season like this. And I pray that you'd minister to them and you'd replenish them and, and you would help them. God, just bless them in every way. May your peace be upon them. May your grace be within them. Lord, I'm thinking of those that at this moment, they're in the midst of a trial. They're in the midst of a season of adversity and they know something needs to be done, but they're not sure what to do. Lord, I pray you'd encourage them greatly. I pray that you'd help them to learn what it is to be still and to know that you are God. I pray that you'd bring people into their lives that could bless them and help them and inform them. And, and Lord, I pray that in this moment that you would help them to glean the great treasure of the trial. Lord, there are other people in this room that don't know it yet, but that time's right around the corner for them. So I pray you'd prepare them right now. Like an athlete training for an event, I pray you'd build them up so that when the difficult time comes, it need not push them over, that they'd be strong in you, that they'd glorify you. How we need you, Lord. y'all be so kind as to join me in standing please I want us to think about this for a moment today uh, as I said it's just a fact of life we're either coming out of a trial we're in a trial or we're heading into a trial times where something needs to be done we don't know what to do 
I, I wonder how many of you this morning would say, Pastor, I think, I think I'm in one of those moments. The degree is not important, but you'd say, you know, I, I really think I'm in one of those times where I need to do something. I just don't know what to do. And, and I think what we covered today may have been helpful for me, something I needed to hear. I wonder, are there those by the testimony, just an upraised hand, you say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm kind of in a time like that. God bless you. I see those hands. And I know they are representative of, of hearts. Yeah. Thank you. you. may put your hands down. Go to the Lord. You can trust him. Now, I also said that nothing I said today will really make any sense or difference if we don't have a relationship with God. And, and maybe you're here today, you'd say, you know, Pastor, the reality is I'm just not sure that I have that kind of a relationship with God. I, I just don't know that. Uh, I don't know for sure if I were to die today, I'd spend eternity in heaven. And that's something that I'd like to know. I'd like to know that God's in my life as I go through those times. I wonder, are there those this morning who say, Pastor, would you think of me in prayer? I'm just not sure I have that relationship with God, and I think that's really what I need in this time. Are there those this morning about a testimony of an upraised hand? Pray for me, Pastor. Maybe other needs you've been saved and not yet scripturally baptized, or the Lord's putting it on your heart to unite with the Coastline family by way of membership. I want to encourage you to follow the leading of God. As the music's continuing to pray, here's what I, uh, to play. Here's what I want to do today. I want to have a time of prayer. So many hands were lifted saying, I'm in that moment. Talk to the Lord about it right now, right now. Some of you here today, you have friends and loved ones that are under the crucible of pressure and it's getting tighter all the time. They need someone like you to intercede on their behalf, to go to the Lord in prayer. So I want us to take a time today, just a time of prayer. If you'd like to come to the front and pray, I invite you to do that. If you want someone to pray with you, I'll be here with others and I'd be happy to do so. Maybe there's a spiritual decision in need of being made, of accepting Christ or being baptized or becoming a member of our church family. But at this time, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray right now. Good, how are you? Juan, can you do something for me? You go in the nursery, I mean, not the nursery, the kitchen, and, oh, there she comes, never mind. <laughs> Thank you. I haven't seen Luke today. I, I, I just noticed I haven't seen Luke today. He might be here, though. Okay, be careful, that's hot. Yeah, thanks a lot. Little protein, keep it going. I know. 
Actually, I got like seven. I, I'm doing starting point today. He might be in there. Oh, he is? Where's he at? Yeah. Cool. Let's go sit down for a minute. I'll see you. Yeah. 